The following talk was given at St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church in College Station, Texas on Sunday, February 11th. In this talk, Alan Hebert of Your Holy Family Ministries talks about God's plan for family life and the upcoming retreat for families. You know, I have nine children. Nine. Now, I have five boys at the bottom of my uh, trees. Right? My first four were girls. Well, my first three were girls. I had two boys, a girl, and then three boys to end out. So the boys made a comeback. Five boys, four girls. The guys win. Right? So those are my credentials for talking about God's plan for family life because God chose to give me this beautiful family to kind of help me get to heaven. Does anybody here believe that about your children? That your children were God's gift to you to help you get to heaven. And your job as parents is to get your kids to heaven. So it's one of those pulls and pushes things where you're trying to get to heaven and you're grabbing your kids by the hand firmly and dragging them sometimes with you. And your children are constantly helping you get to heaven because... They are doing what God tries to do with all of us, which is root out some of that inward looking. Because we have to look other ways when we have children because they demand our time. And we can't do anything but listen to them when they constantly nag us and say, I gotta go to the bathroom. I, our, oldest, our youngest is eight. So uh, I remember the days before he was eight and I had to get up at mass many, many times and go to the bathroom. Now I can just say, you really have to go to the bathroom again? Go. And he's okay, he can do it on his own, right? That's, that's why we're actually able to do some of what we do. So a few years back, I'm trying to, okay, we started our ministry in 2013. And, uh, but, but before that, we felt this call. Felt this call to do something for families. What we saw, in our own family was a real challenge to achieving holiness. A challenge. Does anybody else identify with that? Yeah. Because family life can be very distracting. You might get focused in on just surviving rather than, uh, people say this a lot, thriving, right? But it's more than that, right? So we, we, know, we know we have friends, good friends that do marriage ministry. And a lot of people say, you know, I, you know we're about to get divorced and uh, I don't really know what to do. We've been to see counselors here, counselors there, and just, nothing's working. And I said, but you got to go talk to our friends. And they're like, but they're just, it's just another, it's just going to be another failed attempt, right? It's just going to go see another counselor and it's just not going to work. I said, no, no, no. What they offer is God's plan. And what that gives you, what that promises, is that it's abundant life. So our world offers us solutions to various things. They say, oh, you have this problem with a kid? Here's how you parent them. You have this problem in your marriage? Here's some tricks and, and tips that might help improve that so that you can survive and not get divorced. Or you can get your kids out of the house and, and, and they don't get um, on drugs, they... They'll make good grades, they'll get a good education, they'll get into the best college, right? All these point solutions. But what God offers us is abundant life. 
And our friends that do the, 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 the marriage ministry, they say, we'll help you not just survive in your marriage, not just avoid divorce, but actually have a joy-filled marriage. And God offers us the same thing in family life. A joy-filled family life. What do you think would encourage people to want to have a family? Is it, is it when they see a family that's constantly struggling or when they see children that are happy, that are joy-filled, that, that actually like their brothers and sisters, that like their parents, that have fun with their parents? That's the abundant life that Jesus offers. It's the abundant life God offers to us. So I would say that God in his infinite wisdom chose the family to evangelize the world. Right? Was Jesus born as a 30-year-old man, just plopped on the earth? No. He was born as a baby into a family. See, my never really pondered that. God has a reason for everything he has done. He put, he brought salvation to the world through a family. How long did Jesus spend in a family? Hidden. In a family. All right, so it's your question. Catechism, catechism here. 30 years. He was 30 years old. We only saw him a few times before. When he was first born, perhaps around age two, with the flight to Egypt. And then at 12. And then at 30. For all that other time, he was sanctifying family life. He was showing the value of family life towards holiness. So I, I have this up here because John Paul II wrote so much about family life. And I'd say, you know, a lot of people say John Paul II was a prophet. And I would absolutely agree with that in the area of family especially. He could see the train wreck coming. He could see that there was a problem, a, an infection that was going into family life. And he wrote about it to say, be careful. Here's what you need to do in order to avoid being sucked into the way the world is going. So we went looking for this when we were when we felt called to do family ministry. And we found the mission of the family. It was in Familiar's Consortium. The mission of the family is to guard, reveal, and communicate love. And that's a lot to unpack, and I'm not going to do it today. But love is God. And God, in his infinite wisdom, said the family is a pointer to heaven and to my love. Or at least it can be. And so we must learn what love is. And we will reveal it through our families. And then we will be able to communicate that love to the world. Pope Paul VI. Has anybody? Okay, if we have some people here who have done acts. Anyone? Anyone in this room? Okay. So, I have not been on Acts. I've been on Christ Renews' Parish. Very similar. Evangelion Nuntiani is Evangelization in the Modern World. Has anybody read that document? Anybody familiar with it? All right, well, it's okay if you're not. We only have one uh, professional in the back. <laughs> now, this was one of, this was the best piece inside of that document, and it was related to family. 
There's a lot in this document about how to evangelize, but this one here I really like. I'm going to read the whole thing. One cannot fail to stress the evangelizing action of the family and, evangelize, and the evangelizing apostolate of the laity. Because this whole document is that we don't have enough priests and religious to evangelize the world. It has got to include the laity. And I would say that um, St. Jose Maria Escrava may have had something to do with this attitude and maybe even inspired the Pope. The family has the well-deserved and beautiful name of the domestic church. So we have the church here, and this church is made up of a lot of little domestic churches. If the domestic church is not healthy, the parish will not be healthy. It's the whole idea of the body, that we must make sure that our domestic churches are healthy. So it behooves us as a church to minister to families, to minister to each of you, and for then you to be able to minister to other families that you know. This means that there should be found in every Christian family the various aspects of the entire church. Furthermore, the family, like the church, ought to be a place where the gospel is transmitted and from which the gospel radiates. Have you ever thought of your family as having that kind of power? When my wife and I were um, working in the church, right, and, and, and we were not doing any type of family ministry, we were just trying to see what can we do. And there were a lot of folks saying, hey, you're young, you have uh, apparently some desire to be here, come volunteer. And our, our, our rule became after a while, because we would go volunteer. I was on the stewardship committee. Um, I, I'm not sure some of the things that you did, but I mean, there was options to go teach, uh, RE, and I mean, there was lots of options for us as a family, but we kept looking at ourselves going, we have little kids. How can we keep up our primary vocation to raising our domestic church and also serve the greater church? But you can. But you have to make sure that your domestic church is healthy and find ways to serve as a family. Which I heard within the homily today. That that is important for you as a family to find a way to serve. Well, you can serve just by being able to share with somebody that joy that God gives you within your own family. And if you don't have that yet, that's what we're here to help with on this family retreat. So raising the bar. So I talked a little bit about what the world has as an idea of, of how, um, of what success is for a family. We can probably say, if you have little kids, you might not have thought about this, but as you get to teenagers, you're gonna think about it and say, what is it to be successful with my children? And I would say the bar could be pretty low with a lot of people. It's keep my kids off drugs, don't have them get into a promiscuous relationship and get a surprise in nine months. Um, it could be making good grades and not failing in school. It could be not getting arrested. A lot of people place the bar there and they say, as long as I've done that, I'm a successful mom or dad. But I would suggest that we need to raise the bar. What is our goal with our children? I talked about this a little bit earlier. It is to raise saints. It is to raise holy men and women for God. To instill that that is a lot higher bar. Um, Dr. Leonard Sachs, he is a Christian, not a Catholic, 
This book is fantastic. Fantastic. It is called The Collapse of Parenting. It sounds like a happy title, doesn't it? The Collapse of Parenting. Now, we're here in College Station. It's a little different when we talk to people in Houston and even in Austin. The Collapse of Parenting may not be that bad here, but it is other places, and it might be here too. If you want to raise your child to be healthy and wealthy and wise, does anybody want that? Healthy, wealthy, and wise, and, and perhaps spiritual as well. Your first priority should not be high grades or test scores, which is a lot of where our parents focus. But measures of conscientiousness, such as honesty, integrity, and self-control. That sounds fairly biblical, doesn't it? Honesty, self-control. Do we have an opportunity to exercise our muscle of self-control pretty soon? Has anybody thought of St. Valentine's Day, St. Valentine's Day? It's the beginning of Lent. <laughs> we have an opportunity there. Our children can learn that from us. That is the most important thing. This guy wrote this book with 400 psychological studies to back it. And you know what we found when we read this book? That actually reinforced everything that John Paul II was saying 30 years ago about the importance of what should happen in family life. Prayer. So we talk about six areas in our retreats, in our family formation, even in the book, The 33-Day Family Consecration, which I wrote, we talk about six things. One, God's plan for family life. It's priorities. That's the first talk. If you don't have your life oriented towards God, you're not even going to get out of the game. Second, family prayer. Because the strong foundation of the family is going to be a relationship with the most important person in your family's life. And who is that? It's the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and your strength. And if you love someone, you're going to talk to them. All right? When you met your spouse, did you meet them and go, oh, I love you so much. I want to marry you. And then not talk to them till the day of the wedding. No. You talk to them all the time. You spend every waking moment with the beloved. And if we truly are going to attempt to follow the first commandment, we must have a good prayer life individually, as a couple, and as a family. So, Pope Francis, very practical advice on family prayer. Just do it. He didn't come up with that, but just do it. Pray the Our Father. I tell my uh, ninth grade boys when I, when I, do, uh, I volunteer with the youth group, and uh, I, I tell them, I said, who wants to lead a prayer tonight? And they all said, they're going I'm like, you know, we're Catholic. There's a lot of prayers that you already know. Just say one of them. It's a start. And so they do. But it's that easy. And I'll, I'll make these slides available uh, and you guys can look at it. It's got, just, I put some quotes up there and mainly the headings to keep me on track. We're praying the Our Father together is easy, sitting around the dinner table. Does everybody here have family meals together? At least once or twice a week, if not all seven days. It is so important. And that's an opportunity where you can easily introduce family prayer. So being a family, I talked about this in the beginning. 
Pope Francis, this is, this is one of his quotes about that, is there joy in your home? My favorite quote, and it's one that's just kind of stuck with me, when he was, when he was first elected Pope, he said, the Catholic Church, the faithful, should not look as though they're always going to a funeral. Who wants to join a group? Who wants to be part of someone that is always sad, that is always depressed, that is always looks like they're going to a funeral? No. We will spread the gospel by our families by having a family of joy, by being a family that has fun together. Dr. Leonard Sachs showed in some of his studies that um, our children, one of the major problems, anybody ever heard the term, we have these snowflakes, it's a political thing that's going around, that, you know, we have these snowflake, people are so fragile, you can't, you have to have these safe spaces on campus. He said the reason for that is that these young people never knew unconditional love. So it goes back to the mission of the family, to guard, reveal, and communicate love. And you know why? Because they didn't have a relationship with their parents. They valued the relationships with their friends, with their peers, more than they did their parents. And you know what the type of love peers give to other peers? Does it have conditions? Is it fragile? Have you ever seen a kid post something on social media and immediately lose 90% of their friends? because they posted something that was taken the wrong way, and that person was crucified and outcast from a group. It happens all the time. Friendships are what Mary Beth Bonacci called um, that, that, that type of pure love is pizza love. I only love you for what you can do for me. I only love you as long as you bring me something. As soon as you don't bring me something, I don't love you. A love of a parent is unconditional love. And our children need to know that, but they will not want to be with us as parents unless we have fun with them. And so a part of our ministry is family play. And this really is important as your kids become teenagers. As they get older, they start to look and say, what group am I gonna be a part of? Do my parents, I know that they love me, but do they like me? And do we have fun together? Because kids naturally want to have fun. And the family is a place where you can have a lot of fun together, but you have to work at it. So John Paul II always talked about the more we delve into the, uh, the beauty of God's plan for our lives, the more human we become. Our families are no different. The family is a school of deeper humanity because it is within the family that we can learn to love as God loves. So if I had, I have some, I have some people that are older in here. So some of you that may have older children, children that maybe are now young adult children, do you ever feel like the father in the prodigal son? The father. Because a lot of people, they grow up and they identify with the prodigal son or maybe with the son that was at home. But think about the Father. That is God the Father. That is a parable about God the Father. About how He loves us. And how He longs for us to return to Him. That unconditional love. And so the family is a school of love. Of unconditional love. And we are teaching our children that. 
If we have older children that have left the faith and we long for them to come back, that is an example to maybe younger children that we have. Something that we can share with other families who may struggle with a child who has a mental health illness, who, who, uh, who is rebellious, who is uh, choosing things that we would rather them not choose. It does not lessen our love of them, it actually increases them. So the community of faith is so important. And this is the fifth area we talk about, is the importance of this community here. We were here last night for the uh, Holy Guacamole. Who else was here? Anyone? A few people? See, because you guys all have young families. <laughs> there was a lot of folks there last night. It was a great community. What we strive to do and enable parishes to do is to build that same type of community around young families. And hopefully include some of the older families because there's a lot of wisdom that can be shared in that community. When we uh, were having babies, because our youngest is eight, um, I remember uh, on, really every time we would have a baby, we would have a meal brigade set up and we would get meals for a month from the community. Not all of these folks had young children. Some of them were people who had already raised their children and they had the ability to make meals and bring them over and even do laundry or whatever we needed. Our last one put my wife in the hospital for a month and then the recovery afterwards was two months. Some severe complications and so we can't have any more children so we stopped at nine. Um, but the outpouring of support from our community was incredible. I don't know what we would have done without that. And so the community of faith is not only necessary in those times of difficulty, but in those times where we're trying to lead our family down a road of holiness, and we're running into obstacles because our kids have friends that don't look anything like our families. They may embrace a lot of things that are contrary to the faith. And so what I like to say is we would go across country. We went to uh, Wichita, Kansas for the, um, what's it called? It's, the Midwest Catholic Family Conference. It's been a few years since we've been to that. 3,000 people, all families, coming together to um, listen to inspiring talks, go to youth tracks, um, have, have religious brothers and sisters um, teaching them catechism, like a, uh, a vacation Bible school. Um, and we would go to that. We went up to Ohio. We've still gone to Ohio many times. It's a place called Catholic Family Land. It's like Disneyland for Catholics. 1,600 acres of property, sports, uh, mass, talks, VBS type stuff for the kids. We went there to find other Catholics who were living as we were. We had a very good friendship we developed with a family when we only had three kids each. And that, that friendship kept growing and it's still there today. We don't see them all the time. But it made it easier for us as we were growing up, or as we were welcoming kids into our family, to know that there was somebody else out there living this crazy Catholic life like we were. It made it easier for us to choose life and to make those difficult decisions on how to raise our kids because we had a partner in crime. And so they're like extended cousins to us. And, and we both have nine children now. Right? And they have one in seminary. And we have one studying to be a nurse and is happy being single right now. And they take great comfort in having those relationships with their peers that are actually pretty similar to them. 
And so we need that as, as adults and our children need it too, to have a community that will support them. So the importance of the parish community is critical. And then the last thing we talked about, which is a, a slide on this, is the, is the way that our families can evangelize others. That is the way that we can change the world. Because we were, last night we were with a, a family, um, we were just visiting with them, and, and that piece that they were missing, because they were sitting by themselves when we were here at the entertainment. I said, well, let's go up and talk to them. We, we don't know too many people here. <laughs> and we went up and visited with them, and they're like, man, at the end of the night, they're like, man, it's such a good time tonight. We didn't do anything special. We just visited with them. And said, it's so nice to meet you. Well, both of them are, are neat folks. They have a, a, a small child, and they're working to figure out how they fit into this community. And so that's the way we evangelize. We go and we meet other families. We don't have to do it as our son. Don't stand on a street corner with a Bible saying, believe, you know, repent. No, we can just go visit with somebody and say, hi, let me just share a little bit about our faith walk. And they may see something in us that says, I can identify with you. And because I identify with you in some way, I might even ask you for help. I might even tell you about my struggles. And how do we share the gospel? Typically, as lay people, we witness. You don't have to know the catechism inside and out. But you do have to know how Jesus has affected your life. And how he has brought you greater joy. And how he has saved you from your sin. And as families, we have a lot to share. Because we walk through this life with children. And with the struggles we have as being good parents. And we can share how God's word has inspired us to be a better parent. And how it's inspired our children to be better children. So, that was just an overview of what God has in store for your family. One great way to kind of kick this off for this parish is to come to a retreat for families. And I can't tell you how many parishes are not even close to offering something like this. In fact, they're almost opposed to it. Yeah, it's, it's because you have limited resources, right? All parishes have limited resources, limited time. I was listening to the short announcements after Mass today. I just had to laugh because they were not short. There's a lot going on in this parish. A lot of beautiful things going on in this parish. Family life used to be something you didn't have to worry about in a Catholic parish. People lived in communities and they knew each other. How many of you live next door to a fellow Catholic family that goes to this parish? In general, we don't. So it's hard for us to build that community. Our parishes didn't used to have to worry about helping families to learn how to live out God's plan for family life. But I would say now that our culture is so opposed to a Christian way of life that we parents have a much harder job to do. So parishes that are starting to see that the family is suffering and the church has something to offer are few and far between today. But Pope Francis keeps talking about it. And we went to the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia, and it was like our father standing up there going, families, I know how much you're suffering. And let me give you some practical words of advice. Many of the church documents call out the need for 
associations of families, for an evangelization within the family to other families. This retreat is a start to that. It is a weekend here. We start on Saturday night, and we set an environment. Friday, Friday night. We start, and we create an environment that helps you as families to do the hard work. The parents are the primary educators and faith formators of their families. And we try to set an environment such that you can do that. We have as our primary goal to bring the families closer together and closer to the Lord. But in that order, we want you as parents to have the tools to unite your family, to bring your family closer together and closer to the Lord. So we set the environment for that. Um, it is food, faith, and fun. It's a gift of time. Our most precious thing we have is probably not money, at least not in this parish. I've seen it in some others. But our most precious gift, and when you find people that have limited resources, they share that gift of time with their, with their children. It's hard today. We always feel like we gotta keep our kids busy. We gotta have them in five or 10 sports at a time. <laughs> I've seen it. And to give that gift of time to our children is what they crave the most. I should probably include a video in this at some point. I saw a video online. I forget which, I think it was like a foreign video for like Ikea or something. And, and it had, the scene was this. You bring in the kids, you ask the kids, write a letter to Santa telling him what you want. Write a letter to your parents telling them what you want for Christmas. And the ones on the Santa list were toys. The ones on the parent list were parents' time. Little kids, that's all they want. They just want time. And I would say as our kids get to be teenagers, they have the same desire. Except when they're teenagers, they fear rejection. And so they're worried that if they come to you and they say, Mom and Dad, would, would you spend some time with me? Would you play games with me? Would you, would, would you go and, and do a sport with me? Or whatever it is. They hedge their bets. And they go, if I ask for this, what are my chances that my mom or dad's going to say yes? And so a lot of times they don't even ask. So that is the most precious gift you have, to give time to your family. So we give a gift of time. We give a gift of faith because we are coming together to learn more about God's plan for our lives, which include our family. It's also a gift of fun. Dr. Sachs talks about it over and over and over again, about the importance of, of play within the family, the importance of having a family that is fun. It doesn't just happen. In fact, quite the opposite. Family life can become drudgery. I got finances to deal with. I got stress at work. I got stress at school. How do you infuse fun into that? It is possible. It is easy. But you have to make a decision to do it, which is why in the beginning we talk about God's plan for family life, which is all about priorities. The highlights of the, of the weekend is that we do have practical talks. The talks themselves are 30 minutes max because our goal is not to talk to you. Our goal is to inspire you and then give you activities for you to go back and do with your family so that you can teach your children about family prayer. And your children can see other families that are doing it as well. It is also 
to um, have some fun activities. Not things that um, are designed only for one type of family, because volleyball does not work for little kids, so we don't do volleyball. We do kickball. We do soccer. We do gaga ball, which I hear maybe y'all don't know about. Some people do. We have a portable gaga set as part of our ministry because it is such a fun family activity for all ages. And kickball is too, except dads generally get hurt in kickball. He's gotten hurt in kickball, I can tell. I kid you not, every time we do this, there's always some dad that is trying to show off for his wife, or kids, I don't know. And he's leaping over guys, and he's trying to avoid the ball being thrown at him. And I end up with somebody over there going, oh my gosh, I can't move. So we'll do stretches before kickball. We're gonna have a family dance. And we've done a few things in this community building exercise because a family dance is a community event. Everybody comes together and you have moms dancing with their sons, dads dancing with their daughters, siblings dancing with each other, or friends dancing with other friends in a very non-threatening environment. It's not like you're going up and asking someone for a date. I mean, I, we had a family dance at the cathedral where Father LaFerrey used to be in Austin, and it was, it was a great event. And I would take my, my younger kids, like 8 and 10 and 12, and I'd say, have you danced yet? They're like, no. I'm like, well, come on. I know, I know this family over here. They got a, a daughter about your age. I'll introduce you, and you guys go dance. You got to do it. You at least have to dance once. Well, some of my kids were going back and dancing more than once because once they got over that initial fear of meeting somebody else, they were actually able to have fun. And other families were looking at that going, that is so beautiful that these guys can have these healthy friendships because that's the basis of a strong marriage. So that's why we do a family dance. We've also done um, a talent show. Again, it's something that everybody can participate in. And then at the end of the weekend, Father LaFerrey is going to bless the families in a very special way, right? To pray for those struggles that they carry with them because a family that prays together will have a much better chance of staying together. If you're centered around your faith in God, you will be a strong family and weather whatever storms will come because storms will happen. You can try your best to have the perfect family that will never fall and you will fail. If God can't do it, neither can we. And when he created the human race, he created the perfect man and woman and the first siblings, one killed the other. It happens. The community of faith and, and having that strong relationship with God will see you through whatever storms there may be. Thank you for listening. For more information on Your Holy Family Ministries, please visit yourholyfamily.org.